0: Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. Jay Lafura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Caram, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing?
1: LJ, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, Sunday is always a very nice day in the league, as of course every team is wrapping up their series. We get privileged to a Sunday night baseball game. Tonight it was the white Sox and the cubs on abc because of the uh hall of fame pro football hall of fame induction ceremony on espn and the summer league on espn too for at the nba so sunday night baseball gets moved to abc and uh yeah it was a pretty good game high scoring from the start i was not able to catch much of it but yeah, LJ, we got a lot to talk about from these games today, but uh, I believe first we're going to start off with a bit of a U.S. Olympic review for baseball and softball as the Olympics uh, had their closing ceremonies today. Is that correct?
0: Uh, it was technically, all right. Yeah, it was technically last yesterday or last night.
1: But it's so confusing, cause, cause when it's so confusing because it's so confusing because
0: we're basically on the opposite schedule. So. The closing ceremonies, I believe, would have been about 4 a.m. Eastern here. Instead, they got played at 8 p.m. Eastern here on replay. And that's when most people watched it. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, anybody who was watching just about every single piece of Olympics that they could get this year, they are completely caught up through now the day after closing ceremonies a snooze fest of a closing ceremony, as I should say, ended at about nine, nine 30 tonight. So yeah, I mean, we're going to take you through that first off, I should say, uh, congratulations to all of the medal medalists, all of the co- competitors in just about anything.
1: Yeah. LJ, uh, if US you don't mind me asking a quick question, uh, I know you were very big in the Olympics this year. What was your, uh, favorite weird sport or favorite uh, event that you got hooked on you know some of your favorites
0: Ooh, my favorites you know i enjoy watching the water polo what really i have grown fond of over this past year it's its first year in the olympics have you seen the sport climbing
1: you know i've like i didn't watch it in the olympics but i've seen like some clips of it those people are really really athletic
0: yeah and it's such a different variety of things because basically in the competition you've got like three different challenging rock walls you have to get up and getting up them successfully on your first or second try gets you x amount of points but then you also have a completely separate separate section which is the speed run where it's a much easier wall but you're either racing somebody else or you're just trying to get it up it as fast as you can and these people absolutely fly so I was very impressed enjoyed watching that during my days um, other than that water polo is great swimming is of course always awesome especially that four by 100 this year for the men uh, other than that I will say there's a lot of stuff that I genuinely plan on watching a lot more of in this next year from this Olympics. Um, The the gymnastics of course was fun, great time all around. I always enjoy watching that, but volleyball as well was very competitive. It was nice to see the U S succeeding in that area. And I mean, I, I would certainly lean to watch a college volleyball game if I had nothing going on
1: nowadays. The indoor volleyball is really impressive how high some of those guys jump. I mean, it is crazy how, how hard they're hitting the ball.
0: Oh, it's insane. And, yeah, I mean, overall, it's just it's, – it's a lot more interesting a game to watch than you really think of because you, you think that many people in such a confined playing space – there's not going to be a lot going on. It's not like you're running all over, but there is so much movement, so much action constantly happening. I really enjoyed that as well. But yeah, it was just a it, it was a good year all around. Um, boxing was also fun.
1: What about equestrian? You you said that you liked that a little bit,
0: bro. Equestrian, you know, I'm sure they did it for a reason, but there were some sections where equestrian was basically the only thing on. In the middle of the day you know i can vibe with it for a minute but once once the horses aren't doing the diagonals anymore it gets a little bit draining that's 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 really the exciting part have you have you seen that video that went on went viral of like this one of the american horses and um it had this music that was absolutely great and it had a beat drop that hit just along with the little side steps as it went across the
1: I did not know. Oh, that, that, believe, that sounds. Believe,
0: yeah, I believe uh, Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg deemed it crip walking or something like that. Right. Uh, they were also hilarious from all the clips I saw doing their own. Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg had their own show on the on Peacock this year, so yeah. Overall, I would have to say pretty successful Olympics. Can't wait for next year and Paris.
1: Yeah. So let's get into actual the actual things, thing baseball. we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, no, I kind of got a sidetrack there. It's all right. Uh, yeah, We don't have that much planned for today, really. But yeah, LJ, take us through. Uh, you want to start with baseball or softball?
0: Uh, we'll start with the softball because they went first. So softball took up the majority of the first week of play double elimination tournament overall, this women's team looked very strong, which again reflects very much the growing emphasis of professional women's softball in America. Like, I mean, you, you think about three, maybe four years ago, you weren't hearing a lot about them, but I feel like I hear more talk about professional softball popping up more and more over these past couple of years. So it certainly has been a success they ended up going to the gold medal round. Ended up I believe they lo- I believe they lost to Japan the first the first time they met him. So ended up in the losers bracket, got to the gold medal round, beat him the first game, and then lost brutally on some plays where you know it's like they play great, but you know, one game situation. There's only so much you can do. Sometimes it's just gonna, the ball's, the ball's gonna get hit right to somebody. And that happened like f- three or four times during the game with runners on. So, you know, there wasn't much they could do. Unfortunately, this is now back-to-back times that they have ended up with silver in the Olympics. Of course, this this is many years apart because the Olympics, do not regularly carry baseball and softball. So if I'm correct, the coach of this year's team played on the team that came up short last time.
1: Yeah, it was 2008, the last Olympics, the baseball and softball. They took a two Olympics gap and it's going to be replaced LJ. I don't know if you saw that. It's going to be replaced in the next Olympics with break dancing. So
0: Uh, interesting um you know not what i would have expected it to get um replaced with but you know know,
1: that makes some people really mad
0: it makes them mad but it's completely irrational i've had to explain this to a couple people here that yes it is it, it is a popular sport granted it's not popular in europe and it's not popular in western asia which Time, it really turns a lot of people off, particularly the higher ups within the Olympics. But it has a lot of regional devotion in North
1: East Asia. Like it's
0: East, a- East Asia it's pops massive. off with of baseball. Um, Central America, of course, North America, of course, loves their baseball. But it's not just about regional popularity; it's about having enough popularity to justify the operation. If you're in France, if you're in Paris, an area that does not have baseball, I mean, basically Europe's in true introductions to baseball have mostly come through like the MLB playing a couple games in England and them having to flat out explain a lot of the rules to the people that are showing up while they're both there. Of those
1: games just at not being like normal baseball games with both teams just scoring in in, in innate amounts of runs. Uh.
0: Yeah, well, the thing that amazed me was they had to, like, have signs posted constantly, like, you can keep the baseballs. That's never been something that's in my mind, but, like, so many people liken baseball to cricket, and with cricket, they only have the one ball. That's the only ball they use for the entire game. So if a ball goes into the stands, you have to throw it back. And that, that doesn't work out too well in mlb baseball but anyway the point of that being if you're paris can you really justify spending the insane insane amounts of money to build a baseball stadium because you certainly don't have a baseball stadium in paris oh okay and then you're gonna have to have it sit there and basically collect dust for the next 25, 30 years after the, the games are done because no one's going to use it. It's not popular enough for them to get enough use out of it. So it really, it's just not worth the money when it isn't in an area that already has baseball or has an interest in baseball. But you know what? They haven't talked about it yet, but I, I'm willing to guarantee that it'll end up back in the games for... Los Angeles.
1: I I certainly hope so. Uh but would you like to take us through what our baseball uh team was able to do as we have been following them since they played in that pre preliminary tournament. What was that exactly? As the the Baseball qualifier? Americas
0: qualifier. Yeah. Um yeah, with all of its crazy boundary rules that just made absolutely no sense. Um yeah, the Men's team also managed to get all the way to the gold medal round this year. looked really strong against some decent competition, but you know it. They they ended up not being a much of a match for this Japan team, which is pretty explainable. I mean, we're taking here a bunch of guys like Todd Frazier who haven't been re- relevant on the. MLB level in a couple of years in terms of them actually being good and a bunch of double a triple a players and you're pitting them up against the best players from the entire Nippon league. Don't don't forget this because a lot of people aren't talking about it as they complain about how, how in the world did the U.S. not win baseball. First off, baseball is an incredibly streaky game. So many random things can happen. But Japan shut down their league for the Olympics, meaning that a lot of their top flight talent, guys that would basically be major league players or quadruple A guys, were all able to get into these games, get onto the national roster for the games and play for the team. So the talent level overall, the U.S. the U.S. certainly brought the second most talented roster, but again talent just kind of won out here.
1: Yeah, and look, it's pretty amazing how even on this show when we're trying to separate which baseball players are good from others, you know, a 290 batting average and a 230 batting average, that's only 6% difference. Mm. 6%, like Watching on TV, that's literally so okay. This guy gets a hit six more times out of a hundred than this other guy. Like, that's it's crazy that that's how we determine whether you're good or bad, it's just six, six more outcomes. Uh, and my point is that even these old guys, you know, they have a couple clutch hits here and there you I mean we were still in those games and it just goes to show that even like a triple A or double A team if they were to play against an MLB team for 162 games they would still win like 30 or 40 games it's just it's just how baseball is and
0: well I mean the pirates have won what right now
1: <laughs> jeez I would love to see what their triple A and and a double A teams team's records are. It's like imagine if those teams are really good and it's like, well, wait a minute. It's like, should we just swap teams? They're just
0: hold they're 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 just holding everything back, trying to get accrue as much service time waiting for their superstar player as possible. Um yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting case overall. Any of these short-term tournaments the thing that i didn't entirely understand here and i mean i guess somebody could explain it to me the softball team played on the baseball field like they just took <laughs> the, the mound bases out The
1: were on the infield yes <laughs> there was no infield. there was no dirt for the infield
0: have, you, you gotta look it up because they also had to like basically take the mound out of the baseball field because otherwise you'd have this giant dip behind the pitching circle. All right. It, that like, if you hit a line drive up the middle, it just shoots off and it's a ground rule double. Um, but yeah, I mean, that just seemed a little off. Of course, none, none of the women complained about it, but I know for a fact, Japan does have a softball league and you don't need to, I, I've always been out of the mindset. You don't need to have everything focused in one city anymore. You could move it that somewhere that was even like an hour away if it was the better stadium. You could have gotten them in there. You could have done either more teams or a longer format tournament for all of this for both both teams. If you could start baseball and softball the first day of the Olympics and ended on the last day.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't understand how they can't just find a softball field for them to play at. I mean, I mean it's have- Tokyo too. They have adequate venues for literally all the other, you know, sports and events. And somehow here, it's just like... Well, there's no way that there's not a Tokyo softball team. Right. Like, it's it's pretty ridiculous to think that they don't have the facilities needed to host the softball.
0: Yeah, again, you know, they... No one complained. I mean, I'm not sure what more they could do about it. But at this point in time, but overall, it's just it's a little silly, especially when you see something like the World Cup, which utilizes an entire country each time it's put on. And that goes off without a hitch these days. So there's really there's really no reason for the antiquated city idea. But, hey, it looks um one quick note before I um, move on. Tri- Boston Red Sox prospect Tristan Cassius kind of bashed at this Olympics. I'm not sure if you've been following it, but he just kind of kept hitting piss missiles consistently. Hold on. I need to find, see if I can find the stats from this.
1: Um, while, while you're looking for the stats, I pulled up the Pirates minor league affiliates. Their triple A team is 40 and 42 the average age on the team is 27. (laughs) So they're just kind of rolling out, you know, whoever. And their double A team is 44 and 37. Okay. Okay. Their high A team is 51 and 32. Their single A team is 49 and 32. So they're winning games in the minors.
0: Um yeah, I mean, you know at the same time though, if the average age is 27, then it's not like these guys have to have great prospects like you you're wasting your money bringing them up just to play average and they increase, will be the greatest increase your win
1: team ever.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so I've got the uh, full stats up for the tournament. Tristan Cassius led the tournament in home runs and RBIs. Let's see. Did we get anything else here?
1: What did he... Uh, do you have like a splash line? Uh, he slashed, hold on. Uh,
0: Tyler Austin was third in OPS slashing 417, 792, and 462. As for Cash it, it, Uh 217 652 308. Oh, I mean slugging and op on base percentage
1: are switched. Got it. Okay. That's impressive. No, that's really impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, overall, we had a very good uh very good sh- very good showing overall. I don't I don't know how you could complain with what we did. Who led this to Hold on, I'm trying to find another interesting stat. We oh, want strikeouts. Nick Martinez was third in strikeouts after a Japanese and Korean player. Again, there's there's a lot of talent. This is a overall feels like a deep um, group. Overall, very fun tournament. Glad to watch it, but let's go ahead and move on.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh... We're going to talk about some of the games and the series that finished up today. And first, I think we're going to start off with the Brewers and the Giants. The Giants end up taking today's game five to four. Uh, Brandon Crawford two for three with an RBI. Uh, Darren Ruff and Brandon Belt homer. Johnny Cueto, five and a third, four in runs. The Giants take two out of three from Milwaukee. They are now 30 games over 571 and 41. The Brewers are 20 games over 566 and 46.
0: Yeah, overall, again, these two teams pretty clearly playoff teams. We all, if anything, it's just showing us what we already knew. The Brewers just don't have enough firepower to be able to get through some of these other teams. I mean, running if they're running at maximum capacity, I mean, if we're if we're assuming that their their normal best in Philadelphia is a little less than what we're seeing right now, I'm not sure I can take them in a in a five or a seven. Over Milwaukee or Milwaukee over them because again, pitching, pitching, the pitching there is great. I'm not contesting the fact that they've got one of the best pitching staffs overall, but you look at a really good, a good pitching staff in Philly with the amount of weapons they have. I think that would be a very, that would be a very tough fight if that ended up because that would theoretically that would be the matchup. So If anything, they're proving that this could be a very struggling postseason for Milwaukee unless they really heat up at the end of September.
1: Speaking of the Phillies, I mean, LJ, they sweep the Mets this weekend. Zach Wheeler throws a complete game. Two-hit shutout today to complete the sweep. The Phillies have won eight games in a row. The Mets have lost four in a row. They're two and eight in their last 10. They fall to the third place in the NL East. LJ, I know we've been talking a lot about the Mets lately, so let's focus on the Phillies first. I mean, Zach Wheeler, holy crap, what a start.
0: Can, can we even think of a not, not really a revenge start? Because he's had plenty of starts over them in the past, but
1: this is certainly the biggest game he has had. This was the biggest game for the Phillies the whole season, probably up until this. is is
0: the biggest game for the Phillies the whole season. I can argue this is probably the biggest game for Zach Wheeler in at least two years. I mean, the only time I could think possibly was during the whole Mets push before they fell out of it in the back half of 2019. That's the only other time I could think seriously that he's had high, high leverage. Like, this is a must-win game, hypothetical playoff scenario type baseball. And he he stepped up. I mean, again, I I flat out called him out as being the best pitcher on this team a while ago. He continues to go out and prove it he continues to be that stable presence because not every team can bring in a top flight pitcher and have him just take over the rotation and be the guy right away. I mean, yes, they brought in Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson is going to be a great two for this team. However, is not, he's not going to be the type of guy. I don't think there really is many types of guys who can come in and say, okay, I'm the ace now. And, immediately have success and kick off this run they need zach wheeler to be in control and be kind of that alpha in the rotation that teams don't want to come around and face if they're going to be able to keep this momentum up in the next couple weeks i mean you think about the teams that have added top pitching at the deadline or after the deadline and gone on to be successful The first place I'm going to go ahead and think back to is the Houston Astros in 2017 getting Justin Verlander. Of course, we know there's a lot of other things going on there as well to contribute to their win, but they had quite a few very good pitching performances. At that point, Lance McCullers and Dallas Keuchel were at the top of their game for Houston. And you then add Justin Verlander on top of it. Yes, he ended up going in there and becoming the ace, but there was no real expectation that he had to be everything and, ever, anything and everything for that team in order for them to be successful. They already had a very strong foundation.
1: Speaking of Zach Wheeler, so on fan graphs, you can see how much war a player accrued. 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 I uh, was having trouble with that one. How much they accrued in a day? War they accrued in a day? And according to them, Zach Wheeler with zero point six today. So doing a rough calculation uh, on on Baseball Reference, he has five point five WAR currently. What are we thinking he ends up at tomorrow morning once it updates? Are we thinking he gets to six or 5.9.
0: Ooh, I would have to say five nine if you're using reference war mixed yeah. with Fangraphs war.
1: Um fangrafts, he was at five point one. Uh so he'll be at five point seven uh tomorrow on Fangraphs.
0: I I would guess it's somewhere around eight or nine on reference, but still this is this is really cool.
1: young. maybe Again, Walker Bueller, maybe.
0: Another – this is just – this is still going to end up being the hardest one to pick. Gaussman. Because, yeah, Gosman Gauss, – we talk about all of these guys taking a step back. It didn't take a step back to subtract anybody from the the conversation because now four or five other guys have stepped right up into the playing field. Burn. I mean, Skip – skipping through here burns um i haven't looked at it recently i'm throwing the name in here woodruff where is he right now uh and were close yeah
1: geez yeah. well, well a- overall traditional stats he's got he way more marquez like throw him in there Ooh. look at his war check out his war it's more than kevin Gosman, i think
0: Brandon Woodruff, 137 innings, 2.23 ERA. Freddie Peralta, 114 innings, 2.21 ERA. Corbin Burns, 113 innings, 2.39 ERA. And at one point, the consecutive strikeouts without a walk record this season. Moving in, you got Kevin Gosman, You got Max Scherzer. You got Walker Bueller.
1: You've got Zach Wheeler. Walker Bueller, I mean, he's thrown more innings than... Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Kevin Gosman and has a lower ERA than all of them. If you no, just no, no. I know. ERA,
0: okay, but still, it's it's not like it's not close. So oh, it's,
1: no, it's very close as of right now. I'm probably going Wheeler one. I'm throwing Walker Bueller two. Honestly, he's only lost two games this year, and I know that he has a good offense behind him. And look, for Fip and everything, you can go with Corbin Burns. But, you know, I don't know. He's only thrown 113 innings. He's pitched 19 games. He's missed a few starts. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I just think and Walker Buehler has rose to occasion in really big series.
0: The point being, though, if he has a bad – even even if he has a bad start, this is – a bad start for any of these guys is potentially closing the case on their Young hopes right now. Like there's a lot yeah. of pressure if you're competing for this award. Another guy is a real sleeper pick. Like things would have to go really right for him, but I don't think genuinely don't think is out of it is Joe Musgrove sitting here at a, a hundred, 122 innings, 2.87 ERA and has momentum right in his corner right now. Brandon, here are his next three, I believe his next three starts, hypothetically. I think this is a four-game series against Colorado. So it's Joe Musgrove at home against Miami, then at Arizona, and then at Colorado, but still Colorado overall talent-wise. That, that's a pretty easy stretch for him to be dealing with. And then they get into the Mets, which again is one of the worst run-scoring teams in the league. So he has, there's a lot of favorable matchups. This is a pretty favorable schedule for the Padres in the next couple of weeks. So you could see him move in there very easily.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I think that that's an absolute great sleeper pick. Scherzer honestly is still in this as well. I mean, he's going to get a bunch of starts he's up there in you know expected fifth uh strikeouts i know he's he's up there as well so we got a battle here it's wide open especially for for betting i'm going to have to check the odds but yeah uh, i can't wait but for the mets we let's let's talk about how the mets are now i mean absolute rock bottom it was rock bottom yesterday this is even worse today they get two hit 11 strikeouts. Uh, Yeah, LJ, we're going to do series predictions later. The Mets have the Nationals this week. You know, I'm debating. I'm really debating about the Nationals right now. I I just, with the way this Mets team is playing, there's just no life at all. I mean, Brandon Nimmo is the only guy to get on base today other than a Michael Conforto walk. He had both hits, Brandon Nimmo.
0: No, it's yeah it's it's a not it, this isn't good i mean realistically that's why I think they really needed to get a little more splashy again I don't remember what they got from the what what they had to give up in the Baez trade
1: but, uh their first round pick from 2020
0: okay so that that is a pretty big big spot there but I think you really had to go out and get Brian as well. I'm sorry. These te- teams have been. Sh- their Chicago was willing to pay, give any anybody to the highest bidder that they got. You don't like
1: Jonathan VR at third base? No, I
0: don't, and I don't understand. Um, I don't understand the infatuation with JD
1: Davis. I really don't. Like, mean, don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he has a, an eight sixty OPS. He's fine. That's the
0: thing. He's fine.
1: Why is there Mets fans that, that think he's he's uh Vlad Jr.?
0: Yeah, for for all the Mets fans out there that think this dude is freaking Jose Ramirez, listen to me. Chris Bryant, if that's your only justification for not wanting Chris Bryant, is that JD Davis won't have playing time, then you you need to get your priorities straight. The other thing is there is no reason Dom Smith has to be in this roster, in this lineup, I mean. Or frankly, yeah, I mean, Dom Smith or Michael Conforto could find their way to the bench, depending on what you ended up deciding to do with J.D. Davis and Chris Bryant, if you had him. So you can move a lot. You can pull a lot of pieces around in this team with Bryant. And I, I just think if you're the Mets here, if you actually wanted to try – If you cared to be in this race past next week, you needed to. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? book up this offense because this it's not getting it done 23rd and average 17th and on base 23rd and OPS 29th and runs and 25th and homers that is not a playoff offense
1: LJ so you say you know Dom Smith Michael Conforto both shouldn't be in the lineup they're both outfielders I'm looking on their bench at outfielders. I see Brandon Drury, Albert Almora, and Kevin Pillar. I mean, outside of Kevin Pillar, who's having actually a pretty good hitting season compared to what he usually does. I mean, Brandon Drury and Albert Almora are terrible. They're terrible. You got to keep Michael Conforto and Dom Smith in there no, no. I don't know how bad they are. You have to and keep them there now. No, but you are absolutely right. They could have traded for an outfielder. They they absolutely could have traded for an outfielder. Chris Bryant is an outfielder. Kyle Schwarber. Maybe the Nationals didn't want to deal him in the NL East, and that's fine. But there was I other point though, with, with the one-year deal. Why weren't the Mets in on Joey Gallo? And well, you know, also,
0: why wouldn't the Nationals trade a guy when they're trading literally everything they possibly can? Like the A's managed to get Josh Harrison just because, which ended up being a yeah. very smart move right now. Um, yeah, I think they would have been, certainly think they would have been willing to trade in division in this instance, seeing there's no incentive for them to win and the odds of Schwarber staying there aren't that high. So, yeah, that's that's a point. Look, I wasn't meaning both of them, but if hypothetically – I'm going to pick Dom Smith. Uh, Yeah, let's take Dom Smith out of the lineup. If you take Dom Smith out of this lineup and replace him with Chris Bryant, that's a huge plus. What I'd probably be doing here if I were them, I would be taking Albert Almora and yeah, he's got an option left. Um, Send Albert Almora either the other way or down. Put get Chris Bryant in there and then move Dom Smith to the bench because he has the most versatility of the two in terms of being able to play in the infield for pinch hitting situations because you do you do need the lefties that's the other thing
1: no Brandon Drury's actually not been bad I was looking at his 2020 stats instead of 2021 I mean he's hitting he's slashing 304 342 551 and 73 plate appearances small sample size but He's been one of their more productive hitters, and I don't think he's been on the team for very long. So, I mean, you got to change something up, though. After a two-hit day, LJ, what if what if it's just like changing the lineup up? Maybe not hitting Hobby by as fifth. Like I feel like that he should be hitting. I mean, do do you really like Jeff McNeil in the two hole? Um, because that's where he was today against it's the premier, premier
0: i'm not i don't hate it again when you look at it jeff mcneil on the two hole no i don't really like it in most sig- scenarios
1: this is your manager of the year luis rojas but your manager of the year that you picked
0: if they finished it if they won the division he makes i made the
1: he's going to get that he's done he's he's done He's a what is that point?
0: called in, like, coding? Like, the, well, the the scratch coding you had to do as a kid? The if this, then this? Yeah. If the Mets win the division, then Luis Rojas wins manager of the year. Um. Yeah, look, at the same time, as you say, s- switch this lineup around. First off, Javi Baez should be – wherever. Honestly, I feel like Javi Baez isn't a guy that should be in the same spot in the lineup more than like three days in a row because he's just streaky enough that you kind of have to try to
1: hit. Yeah, the guys like to hit in the same spot every day.
0: Not a bias. Baez doesn't deserve it. Um, Jeez, you're Um He's forfeited the privilege of that. Trust me, I know guys so want to, but at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much thing, so many things you can do. That don't look completely crazy. Like, would you would you rather if this team, if we went through this piece by piece and said the lineup that they put out there today was probably the strategic, strategically best or strategically most accurate for what they do there, that they could have, would you rather them just completely invert the roster, the the lineup, or well, would the you, big game, like, that- or would you like them to just stick with it? and let it ride out until eventually it eventually works itself out. Because a lot of times there's not much you can do. Um, in another case we're going to talk about in just a minute or two, where there's not much you can do until the guys actually step the hell up.
1: Yeah. And the two biggest pieces to their franchise right now are currently on the injured list. One being Lindor and
0: Jose Peraza. <laughs>
1: No, his name—I don't know. He's some—he's some pitcher. I don't know. Oh, Joey but, Lucchese. right, yeah. right, right. No, but um, look, Lindor's not—he's the, the guy we haven't been talking about here. You figure he comes back, you you slide by as the third, you put Lindor at short. Then there's no more JD Davis. He becomes a bench bat, uh, and then you can—I oh. don't know. You can option J.D. to Brandy left, Fleury. JD, JD oh, to left. Or you can just, why don't, why don't they just DFA Jonathan VR or something? Or he's got 12 home runs this here. I don't know. DFA Albert Almora or Kevin Pomar or someone. Do something. You're willing to do anything.
0: You know, again, I get into this spot. Maybe I try to use too much logic here. But running to those decisions, even if this is a really bad losing streak, if there isn't an obvious thing that you can do, it's probably better to do nothing.
1: Yeah. No, I, so, I agree. But this okay. is this also, is a part of the season where like literally this next day for the Mets, whatever they do internally, is the fate of their season.
0: Look. This podcast is going to stand on three fronts. We're, we're waging a three-pronged war right now. One, to get Casey Mize a retroactive all-star appearance for this season. Two, for the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team to be the sole Cleveland Guardians. And three, for Dom Smith to be forcibly taken out of this lineup. I don't care if it has to be a fan coup Charging into City Field, into Rojas's office, and holding him at gunpoint until he takes him out of the lineup. But I think that is probably the—that's—that's that's the move that needs to happen most. But anyway, where do we want to go from here?
1: LJ, we need to talk about the Red Sox. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. They take so they're uh, playing in Toronto today. By the way, Toronto's back in Toronto, so we love that for them. By the way, they had a walk off the other night, first team to have a walk off in three different home stadiums in one year since 1870 something. But the Red Sox take a what was that a seven to two lead after four innings? Yep, and then proceed to blow the game despite getting sixteen hits, and the Red Sox give up three runs in the bottom of the eighth. They lose nine to eight to Toronto. They tag Hyunjin Ryu for ten hits and seven runs. However, Matt Barnes loses his mind. Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura loses his mind. Adam Ottavino loses his mind. And uh, yeah, that's where the Red Sox sit. Actually, not a terrible start from from a Garrett Garrett Richards. But other than that, uh, yeah, LJ, I'm gonna let you sit here and rant uh i'm just gonna you know go and yeah go and enjoy myself.
0: okay well again you're not gonna you're never gonna get the same enjoyment that i got because i i tend to get i tend to somehow get more rational as i get upset but you know this team just currently we went from this team looking like the 2018 team which always had that edge to win always had that edge to be able to close out like if they 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 didn't they they didn't fall into these struggles where they couldn't figure out how to win they always found a way to win or at least make things interesting this team has lost that that edge I, I I don't know what else to say I mean can I really blame Barnes here not really like don't get me wrong I mean a home run's a home run but at the same time, that's really all he did. I mean, all right, granted, the walk. It, he, he had a walk and a home run. That is not nearly as bad as the two guys that came before him allowing the first three batters that ended up going across. Overall, I mean, you know, sometimes the momentum can't be stopped. And sometimes you got to bite the bullet. I'm not saying he played what pitched well here. He certainly did not do well. But, you know, this is the first time in – a week and a half we have actually gotten production from the lineup somehow some way we managed to get a decent a good start out of Garrett Richards four over five is much better than what we've been seeing out of him so a decent start out of Garrett Richards it doesn't come every day right now with how this team has struggled that doesn't have getting this production doesn't happen every day so look I mean I don't, I don't know what else there, – there isn't another answer for what to do because, Brandon, I don't know if it was on the show or before the show the other day, you said that – you tried to say that um, Alex Cora had given up on this team. He hasn't given up on this team. He's run out of options because in terms of fi- fixing the pitching, the bullpen's been fine, so I'm not going to say we need to reset this bullpen from scratch over this blown start. The starting pitching has been an issue, but that is largely been fixed. How will be taken over for Pavetta and presumably next Saturday sounds about right. Yeah, so Chris Sale will pitch next Saturday against the Orioles for the first time in a year and a half. So he'll be taking over for Richards. That largely solves the rotation. And then as for the lineup, the lack of production, what more can you do? He he has given every way till Sunday of lineup variation. I mean, you look at the lineup that actually finally worked tonight. starts with Kike leading off. Hunter Renfro moves up to the two-hole, followed by Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Kevin Ploiecki in the six, Bobby Dahlbeck, seven, Jonathan Arauz, eighth, and Duran, nine. That is just a completely shuffled up, largely shuffled up order with the exception of the main three sticking together as you can get. Look, the only other thing that I could genuinely see them entertaining is more Kevin Ploiecki, and I think that's something that I've been seeing a lot more online is campaigns for Ploiecki to get more and more at-bats. He's currently batting 313 on the season, .778 OPS, and this has been Christian Vazquez's worst season of his career. Look, I mean, he's a great defensive catcher. He eats a lot of innings up for a team, but I think it might be time to try out a little more Pilecki. Other than that, there isn't really another answer.
1: Well, I have an answer. Alex Cora should make some better bullpen moves today because I'm looking at some of these moves. And yes, Hirokazu Savomura got hurt, so that's why he got taken out. But he should have went to Phillips Valdez or Yaxel Rios or Garrett Whitlock prior to going to Adovino because asking Adovino to try to complete two full innings just seems absurd to me. I mean, i watched Adovino pitch a million times on the Yankees. He is strictly, strictly a right-handed batter specialist. He can't pitch the lefties and he can only pitch to right-handed batters. And to leave him in for two innings is crazy when it, essentially you you want to bring him in for, you know, three batters, maybe four batters maximum. They're asking him to go. I mean, he faced, he what, 10 batters? It's crazy. Or six you know, batters, seven batters. It's crazy.
0: You're not wrong. Do you happen to have pitches, pitch total there?
1: Yeah. I 28. Mean- so
0: that's about that's about double what he's done in his last two outings, which logically makes sense.
1: What about um, Whitlock? Like, hasn't that been your guy there? He threw 37 pitches.
0: 37 pitches yesterday.
1: Yesterday, okay. Well, what about so, Yaxo Rios? He look, Yaxo Rios games.
0: makes sense. I think you know, it. It is also fair to claim here, and it's not an excuse. I, I'm agreeing with you here. That that wasn't the move. To explain the poor decision, not 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 agree with it, not give it a pass. To explain the poor decision, it is just as possible for managers to get desperate and to press and to not know what to do yeah. and to kind of to kind of panic when he gets and in the situation. Robots.
1: Look, I mean, yeah, I mean, there. Hitting Marlon Gonzalez probably wasn't a great idea either, but he you know, well, you know. that. That was a defensive replacement.
0: Marwin's the best defensive first baseman on the team.
1: Well, it's there's some apples people to online oranges saying that he that he shouldn't have a roster spot.
0: I mean, that's again, people people are online. Look, he's not he's not batting terribly. He is probably
1: he's the above the Mendoza setter. line, which actually means a lot this year.
0: Yeah, and um. I would say he is either the best or the second best defender pure defender on this uh, on this team. So you're not going to get me to say that he shouldn't be in the roster but again I think this could be kind of pointed to these two inning this two inning thing being pointed to as look at how horrible this last couple of weeks have gone we des- desperately need this win and was just trying to get get through this game as quickly as possible. And it it blew up in his face. I mean, it's just as easy for managers to press as it is a hitter that's in a slump.
1: Uh, yeah. LJ, how are we doing time-wise right now?
0: We are going to probably go over. We are nine minutes to our marker, to an
1: hour. Um, all right, well – I want to run through things we could do would you do we want to talk about this next topic and then we'll do series picks and we'll save the one in between that for another day
0: yeah we can save that for another day because i had another thing i want to talk to you about
1: yeah okay so can i i'll do that yeah do all the right first. lj uh joey Votto. i mean 11 home runs in 13 games i'm pretty sure with this was the street the stretch He's on, and I got to see what his OPS sits at right now. But I'm pretty sure he's like top five, if not top ten in the league right now for OPS. He's just absolutely killing it. I mean, death taxes, Joey Votto having an insane second half. He is currently, where is he? Why can't I find him? Does he not qualify for the leaderboard or something?
0: He's played no. He's got eighty-two games and three hundred and forty-three plate appearances.
1: Why can't he? Certainly should. Hello. Yeah, but I mean, for him, what? Then he hit a homer in six straight games. Seventh game, he hit the ball to the warning track. He's just locked in, and you know. When when you're on a stretch like that, all of your at bats are pr- are pretty much must watch. So he's got a 920 OPS right now. Oh yeah, that was that you were, you were looking for. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And that would put him right in between Rafael Devers and Mookie Betts, uh, for 14th place on the leaderboard. Only zero point one or point zero. Zero one one behind Devers. And then Brian Reynolds won Soto just in front of them. So he's swinging a hot bat. Of course, Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker both have OPSs in the 950s as well. So Red's offense continues to be very, very good. And yeah, shouts to a man, Joey Votto.
0: Look, Joey Votto, Joey Votto will be in the... Top, ooh. this is probably a bit of a hot take or overreaction. Joey Vada will be in the top 10 of MVP voting.
1: Oh, easily,
0: there, there, there is recency bias, there, there's always going to be recency bias. But you think about it, he's 15 or whatever now, and then that's not counting the fact that he's still very much hot. And consistently performs at his best in August and September. Yeah. So he's gonna continue those numbers are just gonna continue to increase throughout the rest of this season. Um, definitely we keep on watching out for him. Again, I'm not sure how many guys he can overtake. He certainly has dropped off a bit. He's never really been that great a defender and has dropped off a little bit over the past few years. But yeah, I mean, just definitely keep an eye out for him. All right, next up for our last event of the night, we're going to start doing series picks. There was really no good reason that we weren't doing them before now. Um, just never really had the time, but now all of a sudden, we got a minute to do it. So we're going to go through all of the starts of the series. starting. With, only
1: five games tomorrow. Yeah,
0: starting with today's series. So all, all series now after Sunday will be new. Only five of them start tomorrow, so I'm going to go ahead and list off a series. I'm going to give Brandon the pitching matchups, and he can start by giving us how many games he thinks each series will be won by. Okay. The first one will be the Cincinnati Reds versus the Cleveland Indians. In this one, starting with the Reds, it'll be at Cleveland, this is just a one-off. So, at Cleveland, it'll be Luis Castillo versus Sam Henges.
1: I will be taking the Cincinnati Reds in that one-off game as the Reds play three teams in three days. I think the Red Sox and Marlins did that earlier this year. As well,
0: Look, yeah, this, Cincy. this is clearly going to be Cincy's game. I mean i anything can happen in baseball i don't see how they they lose this sam Henches this year 44 innings 7.86 era i mean he wins eight to two yeah I, I think that's that's a that's certainly a reasonable outcome i'm gonna sound like dwight from uh that one episode where he's got the bomb shelter food that he has to eat out and jim yeah. keeps trying to guess what day the apocalypse is coming Um. Anyway, yeah, look, I mean, he's not a good pitcher. It probably will be a bullpen game based on Sam Hench's. So you think that. And then the way I look at it, you've got one of the best offensive lineups in the league going up against Karen Shack and Class A, who are both very talented, but love to blow saves. So I think even if it is close, one of those two will probably manage to make it not close. By the time the game is over,
1: all right. Uh, Next up, we've got now? the
0: Brewers and the Cubs. Let me pull up those matchups real quick, is what I'm doing. Um, this will be a four game series between the Brewers and the Cubs f- featuring Alec Mills versus Freddie Peralta, Justin Steele versus Aaron Ashby, Jake Arietta versus Corbin Burns. And Kyle Hendricks versus Brandon Woodruff.
1: You know, I am. And going, it's going to be at Wrigley. I'm going to give a split here two and two. Uh, I think that the, the Brewers will uh, win game one and game four. Four, I think they lose the middle two. You know, I just had a feeling Corbin Burns at Wrigley, he allows a couple fly balls there. Uh, I feel the wind could take him. He's facing Jake Arietta. Jake Arietta always seems to throw in a couple good starts at the end of the year to salvage what is a terrible season that he's been having the last few years. So, yeah, I'm going to say two and two there. Uh, Drew crew just lost two out of three to the Giants, I think that they're going to split that series there.
0: Look, I think... Ooh. I got to give it to Milwaukee 3-1 here. I, you know, I just, I cannot bring myself, I can't bring myself to pick Alec Mills is really the thing that it comes down to here because you think about, Everything that has gone on for the Brewers over the last couple days, it's been a slugfest for the giants. They're probably going to come down on a little, come in on a little bit of a low note because of the defeat. And you could see some lower offensive numbers in the first couple of games, but when it comes down to it, this is just not a good starting pitching group from the Chicago Cubs that we will be seeing. So, I have to take Freddie Peralta over Alec Mills. Justin Steele will be making, I believe, his first career start for the team uh, as he's coming up from AAA to make this start on Tuesday. I'm going to give them that game. They won't have much, to s- much on him. They certainly haven't seen a lot of him. And if I'm already considering a potentially offensive slump to begin with, that's all factors in. Corbin Burns over Jake Arrieta, Brandon Woodruff over Kyle Hendricks. I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see enough in either of these lineups to make me do anything other than look at the pitching.
1: Uh, agree. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough series to, to try to look at.
0: All right. Next up, we have the White Sox and the twins. White Sox, of course, coming off of the crosstown rivalry. They'll be traveling to Minnesota for a three gamer. And it will be Lucas Giolito versus Bo Burroughs, Dallas Keigel versus Griffin Jacks, and Lance Lynn versus Bailey Ober.
1: All right. So logic says here that this is a three-game sweep. Absolute no doubt about it. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're not going to get fancy. The White Sox have their three best pitchers on the earth. No, no. I'd say two of their three best pitchers on the mound. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is also really good. The Twins are not good this year. Three game sweep in Minnesota.
0: Look, I have no logic to be saying this. I really don't. However, I'm giving it two one to the White Sox because I mean I, I'm looking at this matchup. It the White Sox aren't putting a competitive or the the Twins aren't putting a competitive pitcher out there. Frankly, they don't have many. You've got Jax who's got a 563 ERA this year, a 499 for Bailey Ober, who has been frankly one of the most painful guys to watch start a game this season that I've seen in his 12 starts so i i will even avoid watching that game and then you've got bo burrows coming in here nine innings recently called up uh their number 37 prospect and he's got an 11 era on the year so none of these guys really deserve to be pitching in this in this competition but to go on the road and sweep just seems too simple to me
1: yeah you know it does but uh, the White Sox are, have been pretty much in control of the AL Central the entire season. And these are the games that they are going to pick up uh, here at the back end of the season.
0: Next off, we have the Yankees and the Royals. They will be traveling, the Yankees will be traveling to Kansas City for three games, which will pit Jamison Tyone versus Carlos Hernandez. Nasty Nestor Cortez versus Daniel Lynch and Davey Garcia versus Brady Singer. Uh, can I start this one off by taking it two one for the Yankees?
1: Sure. Uh, also, I feel like we should mention, because we forgot to talk about it on this episode, Anthony Rizzo test positive for COVID today. The Yankees now have Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, Gary Sanchez, and, Anthony Rizzo all on the COVID IL. Uh, and let's not forget, they just had Aaron Judge, Gio Rochella, Jonathan Loisaga, Nestor Cortez all on the COVID IL. So they um, can't other, all be healthy at the same time. I agree with LJ 2 1.
0: In other news, the Red Sox got some reprieve from their COVID scare recently. Um, the There was three guys, I believe, including JD and maybe it was Marwin Gonzalez. I can't remember who, who, who the group was that had been put into protocol yesterday, tested negative. Everything is fine there. However, I believe they are still missing their third base coach who tested positive, as well as bench coach Jerry Naron, who was in contact with him. Um, yeah, my reasoning behind this, look... I mean, Brady Singer's had a pretty solid year. I mean, of course, coming back off the I.L., he certainly did not pitch bad before he started that. More so, I do not trust Davey Garcia to save my life.
1: He's not so, winning. He If if that's even him who makes that start, he's the, they're not winning that game.
0: No. So, yeah, honestly, I just – yeah, Kansas City, hypothetically, will eat Garcia alive. There there's the two one.
1: Well, we got one more series.
0: Yes, I forgot we had one more series. Um Marlin's and the Padres, let me get that up here.
1: If I oh, speaking of the Padres, did you see Tatis could have season ending surgery?
0: Look, that's been on the table since like April, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been that that same injury over and over again. I mean, at some point. So that means he's been playing through it the whole year and still putting up incredible numbers and not even still,
0: still probably being the MV- MVP's favorite before he got
1: shut oh, down easily. Who is it,
0: Padres Marlins? It is Padres Marlins. They will be in San Diego and it will be Joe Musgrove versus Zach Thompson, Craig Stammon versus Braxton Garrett, and Ryan Weathers versus Sandy Alcantara. Brandon.
1: I'm going to go a little bit weird here. Give me Miami taking two. Ooh. Uh, look, I really like Sandy Alcantara in that third game against Ryan Weathers. I'm going to give the Padres that first game. Joe, Joe Musgrove versus Zach Thompson. Tuesday's game is essentially just a bullpen game for both teams, really. And because that's how Miami operates pretty much in every game. Padres offense has been kind of cold lately. Last seven days, Manny Machado not been the greatest. Adam Frazier not really been that hot. Tommy Pham been kind of cold. Will Myers hasn't been doing much the whole year. I don't know. I really think that the Marlins could take some games here. The Padres... 64 and 49 lj i mean the red sox have a better record than the padres do does that surprise you
0: um no i mean it
1: surprises me i mean
0: because the red sox were one of the best teams in the league record wise until they forgot how to play baseball two weeks ago so it doesn't surprise me that they're the padres
1: have that few wins
0: oh yeah i mean that's is surprising but again I think we were expecting a worse effect of having three good teams in this division. We were expecting a couple more of these teams to really be struggling. I mean, the Rockies too, have been playing good baseball lately. So this has been a very, a a surprisingly, yeah. uh, A surprisingly high record division compared to what we anticipated. I'm going to go For this last one, I'm going to go 2-1 San Diego. I see what you're saying there, but I'm going to go Weathers over Alcantara. You know, just a feel thing. Just a personal trust in Ryan Weathers, although he has not really gotten that much chance to show it. The, The reason I really ended up going with this, look, Braxton Garrett's been an overall pretty good opener in that role you add that to the additional fact that Miami is going from Colorado to San Diego, which means there won't be nearly as big of a time jump in terms of the West coast travel. So I think this is certainly one that they could take two, but I'm giving them one.
1: Well, all right. Uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up today. Thank you for listening to the MLB daily podcast. Be sure to check us out. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And be sure to play a trivia game on Twitter. But thank you for listening. I'm Brandon Caramies, LJ LaFiora. We will see you tomorrow. See you manana. winner.